Those who trust in God historically have typically been persecuted more by a religious system than by non-believers. You remember when we went through the Baptist distinctives and how we looked at how Baptists were, were really different from a lot of the organized religions that, that we see because they were always apart from that religious system. They were not really about the religion. They're about the relationship. That's a buzzword, but it's really true. It happens to be one of those fads that's a good one. Uh, and, and the religious system, though, would persecute the believers because the believers would not conform to the set of rules. Anytime the government was married to the, to the church, whatever church that is, whatever continent, it was not good. Even here in the states, in the original colonies, when there'd be a Congregationalist church or the Catholic church in Maryland, whatever, whenever it was married with the government, it was not good. Never, never, never good. And so here in Galatians 5, uh, we see how a religious system is persecution. It's persecution. In Revelation 17, 6, one thing I thought was interesting the woman, and we'll go through Revelation here in a few weeks, but the woman that was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, she represents a false religious system. Not atheists or unbelievers, well, you know, but, but somebody who claimed religion but was a false religion and persecuted people. And there will always be false religious teachers. There will always be people, always, even in the epistles, right away. There were false teachers trying to pull believers' hearts away from the simplicity of the gospel, trying to make them add things to the gospel so that's why you and i we have to be humble stay in the church stay in our bible right most importantly stay humble so so far paul has been defending and we ended chapter four last week he's been defending justification by faith now in these final two chapters he gives practical direction for the believer in his christian life and that is always the proper order it's faith first and then the practical after you know if you conform somebody to the image of what you believe a Christian ought to look like, and there are some things. We ought to be holy. We talked about that at length last week and the week before. We ought to be holy, but if we focus on those externals, that is not the proper order. We focus on faith in Christ and a walk with God, and then that joy outflows uh, with the externals, okay? So number one, stand in Christian liberty. And our message, stand fast tonight. Stand in Christian liberty. Verse number one, the Bible says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I really want to uh, tear apart all these verses and really explain them to you. So first of all, when you see stand fast, that means to be firm, to be resolute, to hold on to it. And when it says stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or liberty meaning freedom, it means to live in the reality of that truth. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Free from what? Freedom from the bondage of the law. Freedom from sin. You know, somebody doesn't have Christ, they're bound by sin. They can get a self-help program, they can get a several-step program to overcome something, but really, they can never really be free until they get in touch with Christ. Christ is the one who breaks those chains. And Paul is saying here, remember, his, his, his big issue is that they were adding things from the old religious system, from the law, uh, works of the flesh in order to be more right with God than they thought they were just with Jesus. And he was saying it's impossible. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the, is the termination of all of that stuff. All, all the law and everything was pointing towards Christ. Everything points towards Christ. Now you have Christ. You don't have to add those things in order to be right with God. You with me so far? Everybody good? I know it's been a long day. Say hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Look to the person beside you and say 
you look so nice tonight. <laughs> you, look, you, look, you look so lovely. Imagine this. Imagine the absurdity of this illustration. There's a prisoner of war. He's in a little tiny room. He's chained. He's got his hands behind his back. He's bound by rope or whatever. And he's locked into that room. Well, his army wins the war. And so the, the enemy comes in, they unlock all the doors, they untie him, and they run for it. Well, his prison camp is in the middle of nowhere. He's got to get out of there to find his buddies. But he stays in that cell. He keeps his hands behind his back, and he acts like a prisoner. But he's free. There are no captors any longer. He's free. And yet he stays acting like a prisoner. How ridiculous would that be? Nobody would do that. But Paul is saying, you're free, act like it. Live in that reality. Because he's talking to people who are free, who did get saved. He talks about their testimony and did you receive Christ in vain? It's not like they're getting saved and unsaved, but they're saved and now they're totally corrupted in their minds on what that even means, what a walk with God means, what a Christian life means. So he's saying, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Romans 6, 17 and 18 says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now, I, I want to look at that verse with you tonight to get ahead of maybe a question you'd have later or somebody would ask you. If you look at those two verses, they're in your notes, Romans 6, 17 and 18. You were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed that form of doctrine delivered to you, and now we're free, according to Galatians 5, 1. But then in verse 18, we became the what? The servants of righteousness. So you'd say, wait a second. Somebody might say, I don't want to be the servant of anybody. I want to be a free man. I thought you said I was free. I'm the servants of righteousness. Think about this with me. Think this through. Everybody serves something. They serve something. Whether it is uh, an idol or Buddha or Hinduism or a, an elephant with lots of arms and all that or, or, or Jesus Christ or, or Satan himself explicitly or they'll serve themselves, they'll serve money, they'll serve fame, they'll serve their goals above all else or whatever. Anything that you put as the priority in your life, you're serving that thing. And so you can either serve a religious system even humanism is is a religious system they even say that uh, you can serve yourself you can serve another god you can serve your good works and you can serve 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 but christ is the only master wherein you'll find joy and fulfillment because christ is not an option he is the answer for everyone he's not one one god on the shelf he is the king of kings and the lord of lords he's over everything and so you were designed you were created to walk with god and to serve god and if you're not doing that you're not fulfilling your purpose you won't be i know the goal is not happiness but you won't be happy you won't have that joy you won't be fulfilled unless you live in the reality of being forgiven by jesus christ did you all get that all right, now, if you, if, you, if you got that, then that will really, really help you. Because somebody will say, well, I don't want to serve anybody. I don't want to serve any master. I don't want to go to church. And you say, listen, you're serving something. And the only master that's worthwhile to serve is Jesus Christ. Now, you can serve yourself. God does not force you to serve him. You can force somebody to serve you, sure. But he doesn't do that. You cannot force somebody to love you. And what does God want most of all? He wants you to love him. 
That's the first and greatest commandment. Remember Jesus said that? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, or strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Nobody can make you love them. Nobody, not even God can make you love them because love by definition is a will. If he could make you love them, then he'd be making robots. We wouldn't be people. Part of who we are as people is somebody who can make a choice. And God says, love me. But it's your choice. It is your choice. I don't want to do it. That's fine. But there is an end to that. As a believer, you can either serve Christ and be fulfilled and find God's will for your life. Be, uh, forgive it. It's, that's not the goal. But be happy. You are, there's joy in serving Jesus. There is absolute joy in living right in the smack center of God's will. Now, there's never any tragedy or anything you've got to pray for or something to mourn or grieve or, or challenges, but there's joy. There's joy in serving Jesus. There's purpose. Or you can, even as a Christian, that, like these Galatians, serve yourself. You can serve yourself, whatever it is. I mean, put anything in the blank. Anything you put above the Lord, whatever it is. You could go that way, but along that way, it is not satisfying. And you'll be serving a master that the more you serve, the more indebted you become, and he's not a good master. People that are not believers, they can decide, I don't want to serve God, I don't want to love God, I don't want anything to do with that. And they will, as a result of rejecting Christ, they will go to a literal place called hell, reserved for the devil and his angels. And somebody might say, well, how could a loving God send somebody to hell? My friends, if somebody goes to hell... They will go kicking and screaming, tearing away from the arms of a loving God. God answered the problem of evil in this world by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who took upon him all of the sins of the world, all of that evil that man had brought into this world in the Garden of Eden, fulfilling the prophecy that God said to the serpent, hey, uh, bruise his heel, you'll, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll bruise your head, mankind, and talking about Jesus who would defeat satan and defeat hell in the grave and he took all that upon himself and the servant of christ somebody who gives his life to christ and gets saved will have the guarantee of perfect no sin no evil no pain no sorrow no night no sea right there in heaven new jerusalem with the lord forever no pain no sorrow no death ever anymore that is guaranteed to the person who will give their life to christ Man, it's good to be a Christian, isn't it? Don't say you don't want to serve. And I know that you probably wouldn't say that, but don't, don't listen to somebody. Well, you're just, you're just bound by religion. No, 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 no. We are standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. I'm not bound by sin anymore. I'm not bound by legalism, which if you remember is the, is the idea that you've got to add works in order to be saved to your salvation. Christ is not sufficient. You've got to add other things, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's legalism, and I'm free from all of that. So I'm standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made me free. So I'm not walking around trying to be uh, good enough for God to smile at me today. And I'm not uh, angry at myself every day when I, I don't feel like I was Christian enough, or I'm not whipping myself, falling up the stairs backwards on glass, or whatever some religions do, and, and trying to punish myself enough. No, 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 Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, and we can be free in that reality. Did you know that all of your sins are paid for? Look, and you might say, well, look, I, that means I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. My friends, when you focus on Jesus Christ and your sins are forgiven, they're under the blood, they're done, you are free, but you are free to serve Christ now. You can't do anything but serve Christ. You can't imagine doing anything other than serve Christ with your life because you're so thankful, but that, that's the difference. 
you're not serving out of obligation or punishment coming. If you don't, you're serving out of love and thankfulness for someone who's forgiven you everything and set you free. Isn't that good? So he says, look, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Number two in your notes, stand against the yoke of bondage. Stand against the yoke of bondage. Verse two, he says, behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, when you read circumcised, that commonly is referring to the way of life of the Jewish people. It meant converting to Judaism and that system of works. He says, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now you read that and you think, well, that, does that mean that they're no longer saved? No, it means this, that you're not standing fast in the liberty. It means that Christ has given you eternal life starting right now. It's not one day I'll go to heaven, although that's true, but today your eternal life has begun. If you remember math class and you remember a line that was a ray, there was a dot and it began there and then it went on with a little arrow at the end, meaning it went on forever. That's a ray, has a definite beginning and no ending. That's your life. And where is that dot, that beginning? That was the moment of salvation for you. You are the child of God. You'll never die. Your eternal life has already begun. But he's saying if you go back though, if you try to add things to your salvation, you think, well, it's not quite enough, I don't think, what Jesus did. I'm going to have to add some things just to be sure. I'm going to have to make sure I'm super baptized and maybe I'll get saved several times. I don't know if I meant it and I'll make sure that I tithe and I go to church uh, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I go to Sunday school and I'll make sure I do all those things and I'll make sure I, I'm good to people and, and I don't curse or swear or anything because I think God's going to smite me and I know Jesus paid it all, but I just want to make sure when I get to heaven in case I got it wrong. He's like, what are you doing? That's not why Christ died for you. He died for you to free you from these chains of uncertainty and doubt and grief and guilt. He came to set you free. And so read it again with that in mind. I, Paul, say unto you, if ye be circumcised or try to go back to that old way of thinking, Christ today shall profit you nothing. Meaning that day-to-day Christian life, that victorious Christian living is not going to happen unless you embrace who you are. You stand fast in the liberty. Verse number three, for I testify, testify is like a strong proposal. He's saying it out loud, maybe uh, sometimes even in in a contrary way against what the other was saying. I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. What's he mean by that? He's not talking about just that physical uh, mark in your body that identifies you with something. He's talking about somebody who would add the law to what they were doing as a way to get saved. He said, okay, if you want to be justified by the works of the flesh, then in order, if that's how you're coming at God, you've got to be justified. I mean, we we, we all fall short of the glory of God. We've got to be justified somehow. And so he said, if you try to get to God in your life, you don't feel like you made it with Christ. You've got to get there by works. Well, do you know what you've got to do? You've got to keep all of the law. Somebody who tries to get to God by works has got to be perfect. Never, ever, ever lie. Never steal. And then if we're talking about the law, keep all of those commandments all the time forever. And it's clearly established in the word of God. That's impossible. So read that again. Uh, if, If you're circumcised, he's a debtor to do the whole law. He said, if you want to do a little bit, you better realize that you've got to do all of it. And, and then thinking that way, it's impossible. So therefore, Christ is the answer. Verse number four, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, remember still, he's talking to believers. Now, it's, it's really important to keep the context in mind, the big picture as you read. We know from the previous chapters, he calls them brethren. He's writing it to churches. Churches are only made up 
of saved people by definition. He's not talking to visitors. He's talking to believers gathered in a place. So again, he's become of no effect unto you. Same thing like we said before. Whosoever you are justified by the law in their minds, we know it's impossible to be justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now this is a, a phrase that I've heard before, and you've probably heard it before, ye are fallen from grace, or, or they have fallen from grace. And I don't know what it, it means in, in the world, but here's what it means biblically. It means that joy that you should have in your salvation that comes from living in the reality of the grace of God, you've fallen from it. Have you ever seen a Christian who is just miserable? Just pitiful, just miserable and, and always in a bad mood and always grumpy and always they, they kept on the cloudy side of life. Keep on the cloudy side, always on the cloudy side. And you meet a Christian like that and it just doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't seem natural. You know what that is? Probably they're fallen from the grace of God. doesn't mean that they're not saved anymore, but they're not living in that reality that their sins are forgiven and they're free. They're serving God maybe, but out of obligation, out of bondage, out of fear of punishment. Out of, out of wanting to be approved by other people. Now again, please don't misunderstand any of this. A Christian life is a holy life. A holy, separated life. You ought not sin as a Christian. It ought to tear you up if you're living in sin as a Christian. But why? Because we're free to serve Christ. Not because we're going to get punished when we get up there. We're going to have to go to purgatory and, and pay so many years for our sins and have to go through anything like that. No, that's, that's ridiculous. It's all been paid for. It's, we, can't make, we don't make up the difference. It's all Jesus or nothing. It's us, which is no way we could ever make, make it to heaven, or it's all Jesus. And it is all Jesus. Now, when you focus on that, praise the Lord, what can I do to serve him? Praise the Lord, how can I grieve him with my sin? See, that's the right order. It's living in the liberty of, that we're free stand fast in that liberty wherewith christ hath made us free and if not if you are caught in that 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 hamster wheel of the good works and again you should do good works but thinking it's going to somehow make you more approved of god or whatever and thinking that's what it's all about is is working 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 then you've fallen from grace you don't love the christian life you don't love spending time with god and his word you think church is a chore and something you've got to check off uh, you don't want to serve in any ministry. You just want to do your time. You don't want to uh, read your Bible. You don't want to pray at home. You don't have that relationship, that fellowship with God. It's just another thing. It's like paying your taxes. And that is not the purpose of being a Christian. It's to walk with God. It's, it's that, that, that being a Christian, it's restored fellowship with God. You can talk to God, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, Daddy that relationship, that father-son relationship. It should be wonderful. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. Oh, it's a grand thing to be a Christian. It's a grand thing, I know. And it is. It's the best thing ever because you are fulfilling your purpose for your existence. You are like a puzzle piece completing the picture. You are where you belong when you are in Christ. Look at the, uh, the next verse. And, and we'll go to finally number three. Stay with the hope of salvation. For in Jesus Christ... Oh, excuse me, verse number five. For we through the Spirit, oh, look at these words. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, I want you to look at verse five and really focus on all the words. For we through the Spirit, how do you win in this Christian life? How do you have a successful Christian life? How do you stand fast, which is kind of like a military thing, fight, defend against? You realize it's a spiritual thing. Remember spiritual warfare? This is a spiritual issue. So we, through the Spirit, wait. Wait doesn't sound very aggressive, does it? <laughs> it doesn't. It sounds a lot like submission. 
It sounds a lot like surrender, acceptance. We, through the Spirit, wait for the hope. Hope here means an earnest expectation. We're looking forward. The hope of righteousness by faith. Not by works, but by faith. We know that positionally with with God today, we are viewed upon as righteous. God sees us. He sees the blood of Jesus. We are righteous. We're his child. But we also know practically that we still deal with the flesh. But one day, we're looking forward to when we don't have to deal with this wicked old world anymore. The world system that's anti-Christ, that's against God, against whom we worship and what we believe in. We won't have to worry about the ally that the world has within us, that old flesh that all the time wants to do wrong and it, and it grieves us and we want to do right, just like Paul said in Romans 7, I, I want to do right, but then that old flesh is present with me and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And one day, though, we'll be rid of all that. In the meantime, we, through the spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth or accomplishes anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. You see those three words? Maybe underline that in your Bible and you're thinking, faith which worketh by love. Not out of obligation, not because you have to or you'll get smitten if you don't, but a faith which worketh by love. There was a man and a lady who got married. Right away there were problems. The man was really oppressive. He was not a good man. And they had a relationship that they stayed together, but it wasn't based on love. The, the lady stayed with him because she felt like she had to. And the man was so oppressive that he kept a list of things that he expected his wife to do. So everything, everything was on there, down to what time he wanted her up in the morning, what he wanted for breakfast, he needed a lunch with him on the way to work, dinner as soon as he got home, housework and all that stuff. And, and there was this list that she had to do. She was required. Well, she did it. Years went by. Eventually, he passed away. She meets another man. They fall in love, and it's real love. And they get married, and they have such a wonderful relationship. They love each other. He would do anything for her, and he shows it serving by love. And she, the same way, was to him, devoted, loved him. They loved each other so much. A lot of time goes by. One day while he's at work, she is cleaning the house. She finds in the drawer that old slip of paper from the first husband, that list of do's and don'ts. And she doesn't want to look at it for a second because all those memories are flooding back to her. And she remembers how miserable she was when she was with that old husband. But she gets it out and she reads it. And to her surprise, she realizes she has been doing in this relationship, everything that was on that old list. But she never noticed. She never tried. She just loved her husband so much, and he loved her so devoted that she loved to serve. He loved to serve her. They loved each other, therefore serving was no problem. They did it out of a heart of love. And we as Christians, we still should serve Christ, of course, we should keep ourselves holy and sinless and pure and all that the best we can and, and, and have a good testimony and all that, but not out of fear, not out of obligation, not out of risk of punishment, but out of love to someone who loves us and has given us everything and has freed us. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight.
I pray that you would help us to stand fast in that liberty. I pray that you'd help us to love our Christian life. Brother Sam, if you wouldn't mind going to the piano, let's have a brief hymn of invitation. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if God's spoken to you, uh, would you please come forward? Let's stand together. Let's stand and do business with God as the piano plays just for a moment. I know we have choir practice, but just for a moment. If God has spoken to your heart tonight, maybe you just want to say thank you. Maybe you want to say, Lord, thank you for freeing me. I pray that you'd help me to live in the reality of that grace that I'm under. As the piano plays.